Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for technology, being able to record stuff. All right, the Word of God um, uh, tells us, um, uh, the Word of God tells us in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 27, or the 27th number of the Psalms, depending on um, how you uh, look at that. Um, verse number one starts as this, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Amen. The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. That's important. Okay. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Amen. That's a that's a that's a really good one. Notice what he says. In this will I be confident. Though war should rise against me, and we did a whole deep dive into that. Let's continue on. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And remember, we talked about that dwelling in the house of the Lord. Okay. That means abiding there. Amen. And we learned all about what it meant to abide. And we learned that we abide in the Lord or in the house of the Lord or the way we abide in the Lord uh, is, uh, is through obedience. Amen. Amen. We abide in love or through love and that love is manifest or that love is made known only through obedience. And we said this before, and I know there's a little bit more to the scripture, but I feel that we need to say this again. Remember, when it comes to obedience to God, there are, you know, when it, it is absolutely paramount. It is absolutely critical because scripturally. There are two things that God does not, at least two things that God does not accept, okay? I want you to hear this, that God does not accept just on simply on the strength of you and I saying so. So in other words, God don't take your word for it. There's two things that God will not take your word for, okay? And, and we talked about it, but I'm gonna remind you, number one is faith, okay? You, you can talk about faith all you want. You can say you have faith. You can declare you have faith. Or you can get other people to say that you have faith. That's fine too. You can do all of that. But the Bible says that faith without works is what? Dead, being alone. Faith is one thing. It does not matter how much you, you declare it or shout it from the mountaintops. If, if you don't have no, if you don't, if you, there are no works, okay? There are no, which means obedience, amen, okay? Because it means you're, you're doing what God has said. If, if it is not present and accounted for, God doesn't accept it. That's just the way that it is. The second thing is, is love. Mm -mm. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Love has signs. It has a sign. It has something that, that, that accompanies it. Or in other words, it has something that validates it. Without the validation, it's not legitimate. Okay. And obedience. Amen is that thing that qualifies or legitimizes your love. God will never accept your love on the strength of you just saying it. Mental assent, 
you know, verbal declaration doesn't mean anything. Amen. So scripture says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold what? The beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. So we praise the Lord for that. We thank the Lord um, um, for his word um, as always. Now, let's get into the, the word of God. We want to get right back into uh, into to, to where we were. We are, we're dealing with the other side of godly goals. So we did a whole deep dive on all of that. This is the fourth, uh, um, this is the, uh, the fourth lesson in this aspect, in this, uh, in this aspect of the scripture. So now that we've finished all of the, uh, um, the characteristics of godly goals, now we get into the other side where we first declared, we said that when we get to the other side, what you're really now talking about is purpose. And we see that in our Psalm. We see that when we read in our fourth verse in chapter 27 of Psalms, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to what? Inquire in his temple. Amen. So when we get there, um, we, we, we're now into the reasoning behind what David is declaring, okay, all the stuff that's gone before, um, amen, all of the scriptures that have happened up to verse number four. Now, once we get into this B portion of verse number four, okay, now we're really getting into the reasoning and the motive behind, and we said that that motive, um, that reason behind why we do what we do is, is extremely important, amen, so we're not going to go spend too much time over that, but we see where he uses to behold the beauty of the Lord. And on your screen, you have something, you have a definition and behold to see or to look, to perceive with attention, um, to direct one's gaze toward, all right? The usage of the phrase carries a meaning stronger. And that's something than, than, than just to simply look at something. And that was something that we also um, that we that we also brought out that David wasn't just um, saying I want to look at this thing okay no it has something stronger than that David didn't want his whole purpose was not to just tell you hey you know what I want to look at something over here no what David was really getting into was that was the reality of going beyond just a casual glance okay brothers and sisters when it comes to God if you're going to grow and I, and I feel I feel it to say this right right here. If we are going to grow, okay, and we're really going to mature in the Lord, and that is God's will that we grow, brothers and sisters. It is not God's intention that you and I stay babes in Christ or babies in Christ for the duration of uh, for the length of our service or our walk with God on this side. That that's not His intention. God's intention, brothers and sisters, is not for you and I to stay at the starting line. We're not supposed to stay in the in the kiddie pool of life, so to speak, okay? Or the our, or the kiddie pool of 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 our walk with God. No, God wants us to mature. God wants us to grow. God wants us to get strong enough to handle the meat of the meat of the word. In fact, one scripture even tells us that, you know, tells us about those who are still drinking the milk and ba basically means you're unskilled. Amen. Amen. You know, you're unskilled. You're not, you're not able to handle or tolerate the meat of the word. Now, when we say the meat of the word, what we're saying is, is getting past those basic questions, those basic 
um, starting block um, aspects of life. At a certain point, you 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 got some you brother and sister. You got you have some time put in with God. All right. So at a certain point, you've been you know you've been walking with God, and if you've been in the Word of God and hearing the Word of God. Okay, you've got some knowledge and you've got some information, brothers and sisters, that you can use in order to overcome and be victorious in whatever else may come up in life. God's given you that. And we and it's and, and but many of us at times don't get to the ability of being able to use the word of God to overcome those things. Why? Because we're still in the starting block. Because we, 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 you know, we, we still at the, you know what I'm saying? We, we still at the Lord's prayer. We, we still at the beginning. We still, we still trying to learn how to pray. I mean, brothers and sisters, you've been in this 10 years. You've been in this five years. You've been in this different time. You've been in this a, a year. You've been in this a length of time. At a certain point, you, there are some things that you're supposed to know. Bible says we move from faith to faith. So you're supposed to be leveling up. Not in your own skill, not in your own, but by staying in contact with God and staying buried in that word, applying that word. This goes back to that whole concept of what? Dwelling in the Lord, okay? As you dwell in the Lord, you should be getting stronger. Remember, our scripture says, okay, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may what? Dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Watch this, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen, amen. And that is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing when we start getting into all of that to inquire in his, to inquire in his temple. And that's, and, and that's a, and that's a, and that's a beautiful thing to, to, to know and, and to understand, because when we start talking about um, to inquire in his temple, okay, and I'm just jumping ahead a little bit, but we're going to back up to the beauty because we're still dealing with that. But when we start talking about um, inquiring, because David said here to inquire, not just to behold the beauty, right, but to inquire in his temple. That word inquire literally means to perceive with attention, okay? And it means to direct your gaze toward. So it's a little, it, it, it's a little similar to the word behold, but it also has a more specific or more no, nuanced meaning because it doesn't just mean to look, which you could kind of deduce when you see the, you know, to direct one's gaze that base, you know, towards or something you're, you're looking, you, basically what you're saying is you're looking at something, but it goes a little bit further with, because it also means to understand, amen. It means to examine as well. And it means to, ex, to, uh, to inspect something. So he says to behold, amen the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to inquire, amen. Me, what he's saying is, is to, to inspect, to examine with the purpose of understanding, okay? So I don't just want to, to, to behold it, right? I don't want to just take and behold it alone means to comprehend, to take it in and to, 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 um, to really get a handle of it. But then he adds emphasis on that when he uses the word or the phrasing in the scripture to inquire in his temple. So not only am I going to just to examine this thing and, and study this thing, okay? 
but I want to do this in the temple. So in other words, in other words, in other words, he's saying, I want, listen, in the presence of God, glory to God, in the presence of, of God. So not only do I want to look and know about God, all right, but when I'm in his presence, I still, even there, I want to keep knowing and keep taking in and keep understanding more and more about God. The difference is, is this. On one hand, there is a level of understanding or what you learn that gets you up towards God or gets you to God, okay? So in other words, these are the things that you learn about God, okay? These are the things that you learn that initially take you to God or introduce you to God, or you get an initial understanding of God, all right? There is There are things that we learn about God that literally introduce us to God. They help us make an acquaintance with God. These are the things that we learn initially about God. Amen. As we begin to approach the presence of God and walk towards God, we are we do this by learning of God. As we learn of God, we are approaching God. And eventually we keep learning about God. We're learning how to approach him. We're learning how to talk to him. We're learning how, how to, to, to relate to him. We're learning the ways of God. But then there comes a point where you get there. All right, now I know I got to come humble. I got to have respect. I got to have reverence, right? I need to, you know, I need I, I, all of these different things. And now I'm there. But guess what? Now that you are there, that's not a place for you to stop. That is a place, once you get there, once you get and I get to the presence of God or get into the, the vicinity of God, brother, we're just starting. Sister, we are just starting. Now that I'm there, I want to inquire, amen, in his temple, okay? So I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. That's the extra, I want to see the, I want to see the initial thing. I want to see that. I want to see all that. But now once I'm there, I'm in the Lord. Once I'm in his presence, guess what? There's still more to learn. There's still more to grow in and there's still more things to, to understand and to comprehend, amen? Because now that you, because listen, God, the, there is a vastness and a depth to God that knows no bounds. It is absolutely limitless. And there are no shortage of things to learn and understand about God once you are in God. See, God, brothers and sisters, and I, I just feel led to, 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 to just deal with this for a minute. And, and, we, and we'll move on and go right into what we were, uh, where we were, la where we were last week. You know, we, we at times um, are guilty of settling when it comes to our knowledge of God. We get to a certain point, we become acquainted with a certain level of understanding and knowledge, and then we stop right there. We, we're done. We, 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 and that becomes our uh, reality. That becomes our life, our spiritual walk, okay? We, 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 I, I got the Holy Ghost filled with the spirit of God and got baptized in Jesus name, full immersion in water. I, I've done, I've done all of that. And, 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 and now I, I'm, I'm, I've joined the choir maybe, or um, I've joined a, a, a ministry of some sort and um, I'm doing some work in the church um, in whatever ministry or role that, that, that may be. And, um, and you know what, I'm saying my prayers every, every night, every, every day I'm, I'm doing, going through that. And, and, uh, and I'm going on about life. I'm living life and, 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 and I have God. 
there is so much more. There is so much more than that. There is a depth to God that you and I will never understand. See, God is so deep, you, you, can't, you can't go under him. You can't get underneath God. No, he's too high for you to get over. It's too wide for you to get around. You literally have to go through. And he's so vast that you will never make it from one end to the other. In fact, at a certain point, you will get lost in God. And brothers and sisters, that's where you want to be. Just caught up, surrounded in God. Where God becomes your reason for everything that you do. He becomes, he's always considered in your decision-making. He has a seat at the table in your house. You're thankful for what he's done, and, and, but, you're not, but, but you simply will not stop at Thanksgiving. You want to know more and more. And as you learn more and more, because God will, God will reveal himself as you pursue him. God just takes you deeper and deeper. And as he takes you deeper and deeper, you know what the side effect of that is? He gives you more and more reasons to praise and worship him. So you, are, so you get to that, that initial level of praise and worship, but it is through the study of the word of God. It is through the consistent prayer and seeking God and staying with God that he takes you from the initial things that you learn about God. And he moves you further and gives you more and more compelling reasons to worship, to praise, and to honor him. So amen for all of those things. And, and, and like I said, that was kind of a little bit jumping ahead, um, but, 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 but it was good because we, need, we, we needed that. Amen. So, so David was really talking about backing up a step. He said, I want to, you know, to behold the beauty of the Lord. He said, I really want to understand that, okay? And, and we learned that there are a few things. To, so, and, there, and we learned a, a number of things. And so there are a few things to remember, and I do want you to keep these in mind. We learned that there are different types of beauty acknowledged or dealt with in scripture, okay? The word of God is not silent on the topic of beauty, amen, we learned that. We also learned that although the scripture acknowledges beauty of different types, okay? And this is, uh, and this is good as well. We learned that while the scripture um, acknowledges those different types of beauty, uh, beauty internal and external. Uh, beauty in and of itself, though, is never given permission to be worshipped. And a lot of people run into problems right there, okay? They're so enamored, so caught up with that which is beautiful that they're, all of their attention and all of their focus is on beauty. In fact, some of the uh, ancient cultures had that very problem um, especially Greek culture and all these different things where there are aspects of them um, where they uh, they began to 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 what they began to worship the idea and the concept of beauty. They came up with false gods and all these different things that represented that and they weren't the only ones. Okay, there are other there are other um, nations and other peoples that 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 got caught up and got swept up in beauty. And what's interesting is, is that you know, what they was doing thousands and sitting, you know, <laughs> thousands of years ago, you know, centuries ago, we're still doing today. You got people today, they're caught up on the looks, so on and so forth. It's all about the looks and the images and all of these um, different things and so on and so forth. And, 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 and being caught up in all these things has contributed to the breeding of all sorts of different evils. How about prejudice? Amen. 
How about bias and all this kind of stuff? How about all of these different things, man? All that stuff, all that stuff is byproducts of, you know what I'm saying? Of, of, of having a a distorted concept of, of beauty. And when you suck, when you're talking about beauty, you're talking about what that, which is good, because remember, I gave you the scripture. Okay. I gave you a scripture on last week. Okay. In the, in the book of Genesis, right. Where the Lord declares what, after he's done all of these things, what did God do? He said, it's very good. God said, it's good. He said, it's very good. And I told you that one of the words or one of the definitions for the word good is beauty. Amen. Amen. So when you start talking about what is beautiful to a person, you are literally in essence talking about what a person he or she considers as good. And a lot of problems we have, glory to God, from prejudice to any, all other sorts of evils, lots of these things are rooted in a misunderstanding of what is good. We're going off of what our own interpretation is and our own, you know, our own uh, broken feelings and, 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 and misguided thoughts and understanding. And, and, and we're coming up with what? Sin. Walking in further sin and disobedience, walking away from God when we should be doing what? Walking towards God. God doesn't give you permission or give us permission to worship beauty. So that's another thing for us to remember. Another thing is, is that scripture does not teach us to be focused or fixated on external forms of beauty. Doesn't matter if it's a person, doesn't matter if it's a place or a thing, does not matter what it is. We are not given permission to focus, to worship it, nor are, does the Bible ever teach us that we are to ever be so caught up and fixated on the beauty of a person, a place, or a thing. Amen. Amen. A lot of people say have, you know, people come up with all kinds of strange reasoning and they will say things to justify a misplaced focus. Well, why wouldn't you want to focus on the things that are beautiful and go, why wouldn't I want to put all of my, that's worldliness. That is utterly ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. Look, there are bigger fish to fry. There are other things to do. We cannot spend all our time with our head and our, in the clouds or our minds on, you know what I'm saying, on, on the things that don't really matter that much. Brothers and sisters, and we as children of God, we really can't afford to be more focused on the things that God is not focused on. I hope you heard what I said. You and I cannot be afford to be focused on the things that God is really not focused on. Why? Because you're wasting your time. You, you, it, literally, you over to the left and God is to the right. No, we want to be where God is. If God is over to the right, we want to be to the right. If he's to the left, we want to be to the left. We want to be where God is. We cannot, as the Bible tells us not to do, lean to our own understanding. Amen. Leaning to your own understanding, brothers and sisters, you know what that's going to do? It's going to always have us all lost in the woods somewhere. It's going to have us out in the sticks and in, you know, Boondockville somewhere where, where, where nobody is doing the wrong thing, what nobody else is doing. And just, and, 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 and contrary to the will of God. Sometimes people don't realize this, don't, don't realize this, that the reason why they can't and I'm going to try to explain this. The reason why they can't find God, 
the reason why they can't feel God is because many times they are where God is not. Now, what do I mean by that, Brother Walker? God is everywhere. Yes, he is everywhere. I'm using this as a word picture. It is not that God is somewhere where you are not. No, no, no. But what I mean by that phrase, phrasing there, okay, is, is, is that God is working on something or operating in a certain way. But yours and my focus is on something totally different than what God is on. And we're looking for God to move in what we are doing when we should be moving and operating in what he's doing. At a certain point, you got to leave your arena, okay? I got to leave my arena and I got to get into God's. I have to go where God is. I've got to be a part. Listen, you want to experience God? Then brothers and sisters, make it a constant part of your prayer and a constant pursuit in your walk to be where God is. Go after what God is after. Move according to what God is doing. And that you can't know if you're not in the word. Amen. So we have these things. Another thing for us to remember is that scripture does not teach us uh, at any time to be self-absorbed on our own beauty and that of others. So not only are we supposed to, and that goes a little bit in line with the, the previous one there. So we don't want to be, you know, caught up in, in, in people, places and things, but, uh, but really that fourth one is there to show you that not even on your own self. Amen. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to get all off into that. That's not what God wants us to do, right? Now, the Bible does uh, tell us that there are different types of beauty, and we learn all of these different things. We learn that there that the Bible acknowledges these different types of beauty, okay? Last week, we talked about some of the uh, beauty of nature, okay? And on the screen, you have these uh, verses for you. So for those who will be listening to this and not actually viewing this, we see nature's or the natural beauty uh, represented in the scripture. You're going to find that. Um, you can look, um, the Old Testament speaks of God's creation as beautiful. You want, you can see that in Genesis 2 and 9. You can see it in Job 26 and 13, Psalms 19 and verses 1 through 6, okay? And then you can see it in Song of Solomon, um, verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. We see the land of Canaan as, as a pleasant land. You can read about that in Jeremiah 3, 19. Jerusalem is called beautiful. You can read about that, Isaiah 52 and 1, Lamentations 2 and 15, amen. And uh, as uh, we also find that there is a gate, okay, in the temple that's called beautiful. You can read about that, Acts 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 2 and verses 10, amen. Then the uh, Hebrews, we learn, we, uh, scripture shows us a picture or describes us how the Hebrews admired the, the, the grandeur of the Lebanon mountain ranges. And, the, and, we, and these, are just, these are just examples. There's a lot more. And I invite you to study these things. But for, for the, the mountain ranges of Lebanon, you'll see that in Psalms 104, verse 16, and Isaiah 60 and 13. And then the Canaanite uh, city of, of Tirzah, that literally that city's name means beauty, okay? So uh, King Bashar's capital of the Northern Kingdom, you can read about that in 1 Kings um, chapter uh, uh, 15, verse 33, amen, amen. And um, you can read about it again in Song of Solomon chapter six and four. So that's for those of you who are who will be listening to this. 
um, but you, you don't have the benefit of seeing what's on the screen. Those are the scriptures that talk about the, uh, that, that are, give you some examples of how natural beauty or the beauty of nature um, is addressed or is acknowledged in the scripture, amen. Because we're talking about the different types of beauty acknowledged in the scripture, all right. Now, when we move on, and this is where we were, and this is where we're going to dig into today, um, human beauty, okay? And we learned that both men and women are described at times as physically beautiful, okay? Amen. We've got Sarah, amen, Genesis 12, 11, Rebecca, Genesis 24, 16, Abigail, 1 Samuel 25, 3, um, um, and um and, and, and we said that Rachel and uh, Abishag and uh, Bathsheba and Esther are singled out for their beauty. So those are some examples that you can uh, that you can read about. And I want you to read this. So when I give these scriptures, by all means, please go back and take a look at these things. So not only do we have the females um, um, being described as beautiful or the beauty of the female, there is also the beauty of the male as well. Some men are referred to as exceedingly handsome. So we got David, you can read about that. First Samuel 16, 12. Absalom, second Samuel 14, 25. Daniel, in the book of Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 15. And then you got Joseph, Jonathan, and even Moses um, as, a, a, as a child, okay? And you'll describe, um, um, and you can read that in the book of uh, Exodus. Amen. And so we have all of these, the, we have these examples um, before us of human uh, beauty. Okay. So not only are human, not only do we have natural or the beauty of nature, then we have the beauty of mankind. That's what we're talking about, male and female. But then there are also other aspects of beauty that the Bible acknowledges. And what we talked about was cosmetic beauty. And when we said cosmetic beauty, what we're talking about are those things that are used to beautify. Okay. So you got to expand your horizon to just what we think of that today. Okay. So we think of um, that as just usually in the terms in terms of many people think of it in terms of, um, of of makeup and so on and so forth. But it's not just makeup. OK, when the Bible talks about cosmetic beauty, the Bible talks about it all the way around. Amen. The Bible talks about more. It's not it's not talking about just one aspect of it. But when the Bible deals with um, deals with cosmetic beauty, it deals with all of those things that were used to beautify. So that would cover the gambit from what you put on, what you wear. Amen. All the way to, uh, you know, um, clothing wise, all the way to any type of makeup and all of those different things. The Bible actually speaks about those different things. Amen. Human beings at times used cosmetics. Amen. Okay. To make themselves more beautiful. Okay. Amen. And, um, and, 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 uh, and we see that in the script. We see that uh, in the scripture. The scripture is not silent on that. You read about that in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 8 through 13. You read about it in Isaiah 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. And you see it in Esther chapter 2, verses 2, uh, 2 through 3. And Esther chapter 2, verse 9. And Ezekiel chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 20. Amen. So you read about all of these different aspects of it. But here's the interesting thing about this. And I want to make sure that I that we that we deal with this. I, I talked a little bit about it. You read about it 
but you read about, but as you read these scriptures, and I really invite you to take your time and go through those scriptures, because what you are going to see in there is, is that you're going to also read, not only are you going to see what was done, but you're going to see the problem God had with it. Amen. Because a lot of times we want to, we think that, you know, there is a way that people do things. And we don't always realize that, you know, just because something's been done, uh, you know, you know, by millions of people or is done by millions of people, that don't mean that what they're doing is right or the way that they're doing is right. And a lot of times when it comes to when it comes to cosmetic or the beautifying. All right. So this cat, remember, this got to do with the apparel, the way we dress and all of these different things. OK, we unfortunately today, this world thinks, you know, the, the church has adopted the mindset of the world. So when we come into God's house or come into God's presence, OK, we, we many times we come no different, dressed up just the same way as the world. No different. No. In fact, so we, we so close to the world in, in the way we carry ourselves. OK, in the way we adorn ourselves. We are so close to the world that if we were to look at, if we were to look at appearances alone, amen, that means I was to line up a child of God next to someone who is not. There is absolutely many times nothing that steps out and stands out about the child of God that I can immediately recognize or notice just on the external. There is nothing about that person, literally just on the grounds of appearance alone or just looking or on an external. There is nothing that jumps out that says that there's something different about this brother or about this sister. Why? Because we look just like the world. We look just like the world. And you got to understand, and I talked about this before, but God called us to be holy and he did so to put a difference. The Bible tells us to show a difference between clean and unclean, between holy and unholy, between what's right and what's wrong. God wanted us to be holy. God called us to be holy. Why? To stand out. To represent that there is a difference. This is why when we move into the New Testament, you start to read about the you know the requirement for us to be modest, to dress modestly, and all of these different things. Nevertheless, the Bible in the Old Testament does deal with those things that were used to beautify. But the scriptures that I gave you, those scriptures deal also with the problem that God had with the people. Amen the problem that he had, all of these things, because many a times beauty has led people or the focusing on beauty or on the external beauty, okay? The external beauty of the creation, that which God has created and all these things, the too much focus on that has led too many people down the wrong path, amen. We also dealt with, we people wonder about makeup and all this other kind of stuff. Well, what does the Bible have to say about all of these? Does it even acknowledge any kind of makeup and so on and so forth? I gave you the scriptures last week. We looked at 2 Kings, all right, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, amen. And Jeremiah chapter uh, 4, verses 30. And Ezekiel chapter 23, 40 um, through 49, 
Amen. And when we last left off talking about that, because there are a lot of people that wonder about when it comes to the area of makeup, okay? And, and, uh, and we understand, and, and rightfully so. After all, makeup has been used for, for, for centuries, okay? And, but you have to understand all, you know, the implication, not just the implications, but although it's being, it's, although it has been used by many different nations and so on and so forth, okay? I think it first started, um, if you were to do a deep dive into uh, makeup and so on and so forth, you're probably going to end up finding that its first uh, wide or national application of it on the national level, you start to find that in uh, occurring in Egypt. And then from Egypt being kind of the springboard, it moves all way, it moves over into other nations and so on and so forth. And so there is, they, so there has, um, and, and so other nations have also, okay, begun to take up the practice of makeup and all of these different things and so on and so forth. They've done all of this and it originated, much of it originated or much of the practice on a national level, so to speak, originated in Egypt. And when you do your own, if you were to do your own study, you'll come across that same information um, on your own. If you start trying to track down well, when was medic, when was cosmetics or excuse me, not cosmetics, but um, uh, well, yes, cosmetics in the form of, um, of makeup. When was that stuff started? When did that stuff start to be used? Okay. You're going to find that it was started out or really began to begin uh, widespread starting with Egypt. And then from there, it moved into all of the other countries and so on and so forth. But it's pretty much unanimously agreed upon for the most part that Egypt is um, the originator. Now you need to understand something because that's very important because Egypt, brothers and sisters, okay, has always been, according to scripture, a type of the world, okay? So in other words, Egypt, now I want you to understand something, this practice, on this national level, started originated in Egypt. Okay, that's when it started to get big. That's when it started to become widespread. Okay, and from there, it broke out and moved into other nations. And so, nations all around the world have used makeup and so on and so forth. Amen. It, but Egypt has always been a type of the world. And when we talk about a type of the world, we are talking about, I want you to hear me, you are talking about what God has a problem with. God has all, scripture has always used the practices and the, 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 the ways of Egypt as a word picture or a representation of worldliness. It's always done that. It has always done that. It is not associated, amen. The practices of Egypt are not associated with that which God accepts. Uh-uh. The practices of Egypt are always associated with that which God did not want. Those, those, those practices of theirs. Uh-uh, no, they were, why? Because they were used as a word picture or as a type or a metaphor or a representation, a symbol of worldliness, amen. And these are things that you've got to understand and you want to keep in mind. I paint, amen, when we start moving from Egypt and now we start dealing with the children of Israel and start dealing with God's people. Eye painting and makeup, so to speak, was always associated with harlotry 
or prostitution, okay? You're not going to find a place in the scripture where it's referred to as something good. Uh-uh, no, 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 you're not going to find that. You're not going to find that. You're not going to find the scripture where you go, where you see God adorn his people with makeup. You don't see that. No, you do see him adorn them with apparel. And one of those scriptures that I gave you, you see that. But what you, one thing that you never see is you never see makeup. You don't see that. And there is a reason why that is, because in the scriptures that um, in the scriptures that I gave you in the scripture set that I gave you, one of these things, and I invite you to read all of that, okay? God considers makeup as a rending of the face, okay? So when you rend something, you tear it, you tear it up, okay? So when God, when, when makeup, God does not, God, when God sees, uh, or the scripture deals with makeup, it's looked upon by God as a distorting or a distortion of what he created. In other words, it's putting a mask on. God sees it as a mask for his beauty or what he has created, what he's done. And so when God sees it, God does not see it as the decoration or as the beautifying. Uh-uh. No, no, no. God sees it as the changing or the masking or the tearing of what he has created. See, the Bible teaches us in uh, Psalms uh, 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God, the Bible teaches us that God made us, everything there is about us. And you got to understand something about that. God made you according to his specification. So there are some things that God did not do. See, God made you to look the way he wants you to look. Amen. Now, 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 and I'm, now I'm talking male and female. God made you to look the way he made you. He didn't make, he made you according to his specification. And it's sad today that, that beauty today, even on the external, that people are made or encouraged to feel that they are not at their best, that they don't look good enough unless they do something a little extra, add a little of this, add a little of that. And, you are, and, and, and we never stop to wonder or think about how does God view that? I want you to think about it for a minute. For us, we say it looks good. For us, we say that's nice. For us, we say, wow, this is, this is you know, we're really, we're really doing that. But, but, but does it even bother us that God doesn't see it the same way? Does it bother us at all that, that our way is not the way God wants it to be? Do you not know that take the building of the altar when the children of Israel, when, they, when the altar was constructed, and I want you to think about something. And I want you to keep in mind that you are the temple of God and that your heart is an altar where you are off, where you are sacrificing praise and worship. That altar is the focal point, is the connection point between heaven and earth. It is at the altar that you meet up with God 
And I'm not talking about going into some building. I'm talking about the altar of your heart. It is the place where God comes down to meet you. Glory to God. I feel the presence of God right now. The altar of your heart is the place where God comes to meet with you. It's where you bring what you have and what you are. It's where you bring a broken heart. It's where you bring uh, disappoint, dis disappointment. It's where you bring your joy and jubilation. It's where you bring everything and you present it to God. Do you not know that the altar, the specification, the requirement for the altar for the children of Israel is that they could not use tools, man-made things in order to hew stones that they would use to build the altar. No, 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 no. When they constructed that altar, they could not manufacture an altar. They were not allowed to use tools and take an altar and build something so majestic and so extra. No, 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 no. God didn't want an altar like that. God, they were instruct. They had to get the stones that God had created. They, when they built an altar, an altar had to be built using only what God had provided, not what you provided. Glory to God. Glory to God. You could not. The place of meeting with God was so wonderful, so special, so sacred that God said, I can't have human hands on this, when you come before me, you got to come as you are. You got to come with what I gave you. You got to come with what I what I put in your possession. When you come before the Lord, you got to come before the Lord with everything that God has given you, everything that God has put in your possession. You've got to come with that and only that. You can't come with your way. God said, I don't want you to lay any tools to the stones. I don't want you to chisel them. I don't want you to chip them off. I don't want you to shape them. I don't want you to do that. I want you to bring what I gave you because what I gave you is enough. And what I gave you is what I want. I don't have no pleasure in all that other stuff. I got pleasure in things being just the way that it is. And so too it is. We don't understand when we do these things. So on. I know the world tells you for our sisters and, and you know, saying that, you know what, the makeup and all this kind of stuff is that's what, you know, that, you know, it's nothing wrong with all of this and that and the other stuff. But what if God have a problem with it? What then? What then? What if, what if when you, you say you look good, but God says you were fine just the way that you were. This world will always try to put you in a box and paint a picture and an image and try to tell you perverted, disgusting, nasty men are going to tell you to be what tickles their fancy. They're going to always try to do that. There's always going to be somebody. Not only that, you are going to have other women who are going to tell you you're not pretty enough. You're not beautiful enough. You don't have this. You don't have that. I am trying to remind somebody that you have been made according to God's specification. And when God ever looked at the application of eye pain and all this kind of stuff, and we're using that to refer to all of that, the Bible calls it rending of the face. That you're going to rend your face. You're putting a mask on. You're, you're, that, that's the way God sees it. That's that, that you, you're, 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 you're slapping when you don't realize what you're doing when you do that. God sees that as the marring of his creation. He don't see it as a good thing. Now, but Brother Walker, 
I don't see a scripture that says I can't put this on and I can't do that. It doesn't say thou shalt not this and thou shalt, shalt not that. God gave you a head and a mind to use. And he gave you the ability, especially when he gave you the Holy Ghost, to be in touch with the heart of God. And I want to ask you something. How much does God have to spell out for you? Because see, a whole lot of us run into problem right there. How much does God have to spell out for you? I remember dealing with this one man um, who uh, he wanted, um, um, he had a lot of tattoos, okay? And there are many people who have, who have tattoos. And I want to advise you right now, don't go get no more tattoos, okay? Amen. Now, this, this man had a lot of tattoos, and there are many people that had tattoos. But the interesting thing is, is that he had all of these things, and he did this before he came in contact with the ways of God, as many people do. So there's no condemnation to you. So I don't want you to, if whoever listens to this, wherever you are, you might have some tattoos. I want you to listen to all of it. So don't turn it off right here. Go through the rest of it, okay? Um, he had these tattoos, and he, um, um, prior to coming to the Lord, but then after he came to the Lord, okay, and started to learn the ways of God, all right, and um, um, he learned, he wanted to get some more, um, he, um, he uh, uh, experienced not long after a, a loss in the family, and he wanted to get a tattoo. Now, why, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of get why people do that still doesn't make the most sense to me, but he felt that he wanted to commemorate his loved one by getting a tattoo that um, to um, to really kind of display that, you know, and, and, and just as a token, as a memory. Now, God has given you many ways to remember one another. You don't have to go get no tattoo. I'm just going to put that there. But as he began to grow and he was, a, um, you know, he was new in, in the Lord and he's learning about that, you know, he, I remember him asking me about all of those different things. And I remember instructing him in the word. And I said, well, the Bible teaches us in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Leviticus, the Bible tells us that God doesn't want us to mark into our skin. We're not supposed to do that. And a lot of people didn't know that. God did not want us to do that. So much so that it's actually declared, you know, you know that God doesn't want you to mark, mark yourself. Okay. And this is why I tell you, if you're listening, you got tattoos, don't go get no more. God is a forgiver. God does forgive. God knows what you did before you came into knowledge. But now that you know, well, I want you to listen to this. He came in contact and I did what I could. I shared with him the word of God and I taught him as best as I could. And I never forget that, um, you know, the conversation kept coming up. He would come back to me another day you know, but I really want to get a tattoo. And, you know, well, brother, you, you know, this is what the word of God says. This is not something, you know, you know, you know, this is not something that God, you know, you know, um, looks good upon or whatever. So watch this. He then uh, eventually one day he said, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm getting it. I thought about what you said and you know what, um, that was under the law. I said, excuse me. He said that was under the law. We're no longer under the law. And of course, his reasoning was, was that, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. Not unaware of the scripture in Timothy that tells us that wherefore we know the law is good if it what be used lawfully. 
and not understanding that when Jesus fulfilled the law, what he did was not only by fulfilling the law, what he did was, was that he removed for those who accept, amen. And this ain't for everybody because for some folks, the law is still in effect. You need to understand that. It's not in effect um, in the, the penalty of the law is what is not in effect, amen. Meaning that the penalty of the law, when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, okay? So there is a penalty that comes with the, that comes with the law or the breaking of the law, amen. But when we accept the gift of God, so we come to him, we're baptized in the water, we're baptized in the name of Jesus, we are filled with the spirit. So now we've done that. Now the fulfillment of the law or God's fulfilling of his own law, that's what he did. It now applies to us, meaning that the penalty that we normally would have incurred for breaking the law or being unable to follow it, amen, that no longer applies. We don't, we no longer, we know we, we are no longer in danger of going to hell because I made a mistake, because I, because I, because I broke one aspect of it. No, 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 no. Now our sins have been forgiven. Amen. But what we don't understand and what he didn't understand was, was this. Though we are no longer under the penalty of the law, the law still has a purpose. It establishes right and wrong. It establishes what God likes and does not like. And through the law, you learn the preferences or the preference of God. You learn what is good and what is not good, what he likes and does not like. I want you to consider it like this. If you were um, co um, um, courting someone, okay? So you're, you're courting someone and, um, and, and, and the, the, the first thing, point of courting a person is getting to know that person. And part of getting to know that person is being exposed or becoming or coming into knowledge of what that person likes and dislikes. Well, the law is the same thing. It displays or discloses to us what God likes and does not like. Yes, he has fulfilled the law, amen. He's removed the sting, he's removed the punishment. He's fulfilled all of that. But you still, as children of God, have the law as a reference as unto what God likes and does not like. Guess what? It's in the law that he said, thou shalt not kill, don't murder. Well, guess what? He fulfilled the law, but I guarantee you, God still don't want you going around killing nobody. He not okay with you going around committing murder. No, it didn't do any of that. We still learn and still know what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. And so for this young man, and for this young man, it was sad. I, I was sad. He went on ahead. I wish I could say he didn't go get it, but he actually went on and got it anyway. And I was sad about that because even in the face of knowing what God's preference is, he still chose to do it his way. He's an example of many of us. And how often are we choosing to do the thing that we know is wrong because it feels right? to us, or maybe because the world is doing it. Brothers and sisters, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts, <laughs> they're not our thoughts. Uh-uh. 
God had a purpose in bringing out why he didn't like or did not want certain things. And the reason why is, is because when the focus on is too much on the external, you focused on the creation rather than the creator. It leads, it is a gateway that leads quickly into pride and lust. Proverbs 6, 25, 26, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. That's talking about that painted eyes or you go with your makeup. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Ezekiel 28, 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee down to the ground and I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Genesis 12, 11 through 12. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarah, his wife, behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Why would they do that? Because they would want her beauty. They would lust after her beauty. Amen. Look at all of that. Psalm uh, 39 and 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. Look at that, that lust and that, 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 that lust for the external, looking and ca being caught up on the outside and wanting it to the point where pride begins to step in and lust begins to step in. Second Samuel 11, two through four, and it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman, what? Washing herself. And the woman was what? Very beautiful to look upon. And David said, David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, that David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him and he lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house, Ezekiel 23, 12. And she, she doted upon the Assyrians, her neighbors, captains and rulers, clothed most gorgeously, horsemen riding upon horses, all of them desirable young men, lust, pride. All of these things, God warned about being caught up on the external because it is the external forms of beauty that the scripture teaches, it can lead to pride and lust. Amen. And so with that, you must understand that there is a danger, absolute danger, when we get caught up in the creation more than the creator. God created beauty. God does not have a problem with 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 all with beauty but god has a problem when beauty is taken out of context and it begins to be worship it begins to be lusted after it begins to be the focal point of of uh, of of, of self-centeredness and selfishness i'm better than this i'm this that and the other and all that kind of stuff no because those things start to lead you down the wrong path let me tell you something listen if those things were enough to get satan 
brothers and sisters, you and I better be careful. We have better be careful. God bless you, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Wow.